Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in the study we're doing through the New Testament. This is part number 207. So uh, that's, we've, got a, we've got a history of them now. Like I said, we're about a year away from being done with the New Testament. We'll launch into the Old Testament, which should take 15 years. And then uh, we'll start all over again. That's my plan. But just think about that. So 15, 16 years from now, you guys will be older. <laughs> so um, we've been working through the text. The, the, the reason we do it this way a chapter at a time is that there's something that's very helpful in looking at the Bible in context. And, and, and uh, um, this allows us to do that. Um, we, and we've taken it uh, in, in, in pretty good segments. We, we started with the Gospels, and we, we read through the Gospels so we could see, you know, the ministry of Jesus and what that was all about. And then we did the book of Acts so that we could see what the early church was doing. And, and as we looked at the book of Acts, we saw the missionary journeys that Paul did. And so we, we then went through all of Paul's letters together so we could see how Paul was writing back to the churches and what was going on. And... Uh, now we've moved into the book of Hebrews. We don't believe Hebrews was written by Paul, but we do believe it was probably written by one of his companions because there's a lot of kind of Pauline stuff in it. Um, but but it's, it's different enough that it probably wasn't written by Paul. Um, and it was written, the book of Hebrews was written to a group of believers who were being, um, like most of them were, really persecuted um, and, and this was targeted at Jewish believers. Remember, most of, of the early believers um, were Jewish, um, you know, until Paul's work started taking off and the, the Gentile world came on board. But um, this particular letter is written, written to Jewish believers who are being persecuted, and apparently they're considering um, sort of going back to the old way of doing things. And the letter is structured to grab their attention so that they don't do that. And um, there's a lot of Old Testament scripture that's quoted in it because of who it's written to. There, it's written to people who would have known the Old Testament. When you, when you read most of the letters that Paul writes to Gentiles, he doesn't overemphasize Old Testament scripture because they didn't have a background of it. So um, he, he brings it up, but not as much as in the book of Hebrews, which is filled with um, references to the Old Testament and the things that were going on. Um, all of which to encourage these Jewish believers just to hang on and that, that there is no better way, and that they found the truth, and there's nothing to go back to. And you remember the admonition that, that he gave, he's, you know, where he's, the writer says, look, don't be like your ancestors who were so close to the promised land. Um, they, were, they were right on the border of it, and then they decided they could no longer trust God, and they never got to go in. They missed it altogether just because they, they, they stopped trusting God. And what he's telling these believers is they're about to do the same thing. You're about to do the same thing. Don't do it. You saw what happened to them. They never entered into the rest. They never made it. They were so close. But all of a sudden, and, and, and so he said, you know, you've you found the truth. You're on the right path. Just because of the difficulties, don't think about turning aside now. And, and so now we're, we're up into chapter 7. And um, the, the writer here begins a pretty lengthy discussion that takes a few chapters um, of of the main reason that these persecuted believers shouldn't walk away from Jesus. And, and regardless of the difficulties that they're, they're presently facing, um, he's going to emphasize to them that Jesus is the promised high priest. 
that his priesthood is superior to the Levitical priesthood and that they have access to him because of what he accomplished on the cross. And the writer is going to start the discussion by revisiting the priesthood of Melchizedek, which he introduced in chapter 5, and which we talked about for, for a moment when we were in chapter 5, and Melchizedek came up again in chapter 6, and now he's back here in chapter 7. But it's funny, in chapter 5, when the writer introduced Melchizedek to the, to the audience, he doubted they would comprehend, because he said this in Hebrews 5.11, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. Isn't that a great way of shifting everything off on the listeners? <laughs> I could teach you about this for hours, but you're slow to learn. So what's the point? So he's bringing it up again because we're slow to learn, which is true. And, and the point that he's trying to make is, is um, pretty abstract anyway. It's not. It, it's, Melchizedek is fascinating in history. The reason he's so fascinating is the Bible doesn't mention his lineage, his genealogy, that, or when he came and when he stopped being. And so by inference, people say he had no beginning and that he had no ending. And, and in, that, in that frame of reference, um, he, his, his priesthood is a type of the priesthood of Christ. And, and he's going to be making references to that. Um, but we're not exactly sure who Melchizedek was or, or other than we know what he did and that he was a priest of God but we, we don't know because it's not written for us how he came to be and where he came to be but we know that, that his priesthood and his kingship in Salem which is Jerusalem um, existed before Abraham and all the promises that came to them so here we have a priest of the most high God a, a real priest and a king of Jerusalem in existence before Abraham and that's the point of the, the situation and the story that he's trying to make. And that this priesthood is superior to the one that they have in the, in the Levite, in the Levitical priesthood um, under Aaron. Um, and, and so he's going to make these references and analogies. Some people think that maybe um, Melchizedek might have been an angel uh, of some sort. Of, and, and, you know, I don't know that he was or he wasn't. I don't know that it's not possible. Um, but that, that would resolve some of the things that come up. But I, I really think he was just a type um, of, of this priesthood and, and that um, he's in the scripture um, pointing to this time with Christ. So but we'll talk about it some more. But anyway, you're going to see him come up. And uh, let's read Hebrews 7. I'll read it to you. It's 28 verses. Um, I'm going to read out of the NIV. It's what's on the notes. You can follow along in your Bibles or whatever translation you have. It's all good beginning in verse 1. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people, that is, their brothers, even though their brothers are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by men who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared, declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham, 
because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it, on the basis of it, the law was given to the people, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when there is a change of the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Other priests became, other, others became priests without any oath. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now there have been many of these, those priests since death prevented them from continuing office. But Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, so here's what's going on. Remember, you've got Jewish believers who have found Christ, who are being persecuted or are thinking of going back to the old way of doing things, back to the Levitical priesthood, back to under, being under the law, and the writer is saying, look, something superior has come, something greater has come. You have nothing to go back to. You've already found the truth, and this is why you need to plug in. And he begins to talk about this priesthood in Melchizedek to make a point. Now, the story of Melchizedek is back in Genesis chapter 14. And Abraham had just won some battles, and, and he, had, he had all sorts of um, wealth and, and plunder that had come from that. And he crosses paths with Melchizedek. This is Genesis 14, 18 through 20. You can look it up later. I'll read it to you. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The point the writer is making is that, that because Christ, and we'll look at that verse, is, is, a, is in the order of Melchizedek, um, he's greater than Abraham because Melchizedek was greater than Abraham um, because of this encounter because Abraham was blessed by Melchizedek Melchizedek, the, it's, it says there in the scripture the, greater is, the lesser is always blessed by the greater and when Abraham gave a tenth of his plunder 
he was recognizing the superiority of Melchizedek at that moment. And remember, Abraham's the father of the promises. So, so it's, it's, it's setting up this picture of there being something greater than um, what they had known to this point, the Jewish believers, and that was in Christ. They had found the greater thing. They had found the promised thing. They had found what was coming. And to leave would, would, be, would just be the worst decision that they could make. And so... Um, and, and so, so here we have Melchizedek, um, greater than Abraham, Abraham the father of the Jewish nation, greater than Levi, because Levi was a descendant of Abraham. And, and therefore, the Levitical priesthood was inferior to Melchizedek's priesthood, which is a type of Christ's priesthood. So I, I said it was, it was interesting. But I think, you know, as we read it and talk about it, it starts to make sense now. Okay, I can see what's happening and why Melchizedek is in the picture and, and what they're pointing to in the process. Melchizedek was a priest of God Most High, king and priest of God in Salem, long before the nation of Israel and the Levitical priesthood began. And because he both blessed Abraham and received his tithes, um, this, this act of blessing and receiving tithes demonstrates his superiority to the patriarch. That's the first part of that story. So, so, um, so that's what's taking place. Now, that comes from Genesis uh, eight, uh, 14. Now, the writer goes on and he starts referring to a psalm, um, Psalm 110. It's a very important psalm because it introduces this idea that there would be a new priest that, that would belong to an order other than the Levites. And remember, this had to happen because Jesus wasn't a Levite. He was from the tribe of Judah. And, 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 and so he's going he's gonna to bring in a new priesthood, which, which it says brings in a new institution with it. Um, that the Levitical priesthood based on the law was being replaced by this new priesthood in Christ and with a new covenant which is superior to both. Psalm 110.4 said, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The, the psalmist was talking about Jesus. And so Jesus' role as high priest, which is what we've been talking about here in the book of Hebrews and we'll continue to talk about, was superior to that of any of the Levitical priests because the Messiah was a priest of a higher order. He's in the order of Melchizedek, right? Uh, and, and Melchizedek was a type of Christ in that there was no understanding of beginning or ending or anything else, and that's what we know of Jesus. And, and then the point is made, this is the point that's made, if the Levitical priesthood and the law had been able to save people God wouldn't have needed to send Jesus as a priest who came in a different order of priesthood, not from the tribe of Levi, but from the tribe of Judah. That the animal sacrifices that were offered up um, uh, by the Levitical priesthood, they had to be repeated constantly, and they, they were only temporary in, in what they, that they affected. But Christ's sacrifice was offered once, and it offered total and permanent forgiveness. And, and so under the new covenant, the Levitical priesthood was canceled in favor of Christ's role as high priest. And so, so there's this huge shift that's taken place in Christ away from the old system to a new one, away from an old covenant into a new covenant, a better covenant, covenant that we have in Jesus, with Jesus as our high priest, who, who, um, who was the perfect sacrifice offered once and for all that took care of all of our sin. And so it, it changed the scope of everything. Now, again, remember who the writer's writing to. He's writing to these people. They're thinking about leaving, going back to something that didn't work before because they're being persecuted, but they've already found the greater thing. See, the law 
was never intended to save people or to make them perfect, but to point out sin. So he said, when Jesus said he did not come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill it. Um, The law, the the whole idea behind the law was that you should realize that no matter how hard you try, you can't keep it. That was the point. You can't do it. Just the ten. Just the ten commandments you can't keep in your own strength. You can't. We've all failed them. Um, Romans 3.20, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in the sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of sin. That's the, the purpose. Um, the law was a placeholder until Jesus came. It was a mediator of a better covenant. It, it got stuck there to keep people sort of on track, to realize, hey, we can't make this. We need something else. We need a Savior. We, 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 we have sin that's, you know, you're, you're dealing with it with these animals constantly, but it's not making any difference. And, and so it would point all of us um, that, that realization toward our need for Christ. Galatians 3, 24 and 25 says, So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. That's why the law was there. It was to make us conscious of sin and to lead us to Christ. There needs to be a better, there needs to be something better coming. And there was a promise that it was coming, something better. A new covenant had been promised through the prophets that something better was coming. And so now that faith has come, we're, we're no longer under the supervision of the law. We, we don't need the law to hold us in check. We have the Spirit of God who, who leads and guides and teaches and convicts. But, you know, the, the law is, is, you know, it's a good sort of idea, but it's, it's not what holds us in line. It's the Spirit of God who does that. It's part of the better covenant. So, and then at the end there, Hebrews 7, 20 through 28, see, the, no one can add to what Jesus did to save us. Um, our past... Our present, our future sins are all forgiven. And Jesus is with the Father as a sign that our sins are forgiven. And, and as our high priest, Jesus is our advocate. He's the mediator between us and God. He looks after our interests and he intercedes for us with God. Um, the Old Testament high priest went before God once a year to plead for the forgiveness of the nation's sin. Christ makes perpetual intercession before God for us. And Christ's continuous presence in heaven with the Father assures us that our sins have been paid for and forgiven. And, and, and that's what the writer is trying to make sure that the, the people know. That th- this, is, this was what Jesus came for. This is a, a prophetic picture of what he was doing. And they had all this scriptural understanding from Genesis and Psalms that they had in them already. And as the writer weaves them into the story about Jesus... It's to persuade them not to turn away. That what they found is the best thing. And so, so that's what's happening here in Hebrews 7. And, and we're, we're going to continue to build on the idea of, of our high priest over the next few chapters. And how amazing it is that um, what Jesus did for us. And the access we now have to God because of what he's done. And, and uh, um, what a display of, of, of love. But what, what an awesome... Um, realization of the the lengths that God has gone to to have relationship with us and 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 what he's done um, you know in in the cross and the resurrection and and just uh, fascinating to know and to take in all that's taken place that we might be restored into relationship with God and so you know once you find it there's nothing better there's nothing better so people keep looking for some there's no better thing this is the better thing, Jesus, the better thing. That's like, a, that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> the better thing.
Jesus. I know, I know, sorry, I get off track sometimes. Um, as you well know from coming. But that's good. That's good for Hebrews 7 uh, for today. We'll pick up Hebrews 8 next week. Another great chapter. I'm looking forward to that. If you're watching my video on television, thank you for spending time with us. We appreciate it. We know how valuable your time is. Hope you'll visit us if you're on Big Pine. We've got lots of stuff going on. Come and check us out. Um, if you need prayer, go to the prayer page on the website at keysvineyard.com and we uh, send us a request. We'll pray for you. You can call us. You'll find the number there. We'll see you soon.